Take your Bibles and go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1, please. We're on our third Sunday of a series called Road Signs to Finding God's Will. And let me just recap very quickly for you where we've been over the last few weeks. The first Sunday that we began, we looked at the yield sign, which reminded us uh, that we need to submit our will to God's will if we're ever going to be able to follow Him and hear His voice and find out where He's leading us, the yield sign. Uh, Jesus Himself said, if anyone wants to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Last Sunday, we looked at three signs together. First, the, the telephone sign reminded us of prayer, the importance of talking to God and calling upon Him, asking for His direction in our life. The second sign that we looked at was the turn on your headlights sign, which reminded us uh, to seek God's direction through Scripture. The Bible says that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And if we're ever going to see where we're going and find God's will, we're going to need to keep our headlights on and search the Scriptures to find out what God wants us to do in our life. And then the third one that we looked at last week was the information sign. And that simply reminded us that from time to time we need to uh, pull off the road, we need to take some time and seek wise counsel from other godly believers who can help point us in the right direction. And Proverbs 19.20 there reminds us that uh, we need to listen to advice and accept instruction so that in the end we will be wise. Now today we're going to look at uh, yet another sign. And this one is the detour sign. The detour sign. And this, uh, in, in other terms, could be called providential circumstances. And God often leads us through bringing circumstances into our lives that will turn us this way or that way and send us in a completely different direction. Now you have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 1. And I want us just to look together at verse 12 this morning. Can anybody tell me where Paul was when he was writing these words? Anybody remember? In prison. In prison. Paul was in prison when he wrote these words. Let me ask you, what, what would you write if you were in prison? I mean, you know, not in prison for doing wrong, but if you were in prison just for being a Christian. One day I hope to be able to teach on the book of Philippians because the whole book is about joy. I mean, it's the most uplifting, encouraging, inspiring letter. And yet Paul wrote this while sitting chained in prison. That was a detour that he had not planned on. And yet look in verse 12 what he says. He's writing to encourage a church. And he says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I remember the early morning hours of September 28, 1989. My phone rang at about 4 o'clock that morning. And most of you know I'm not real coordinated at that time of the day. And um, the phone was ringing and I was pounding on the snooze button trying to shut the noise off. And finally, Sandy said, 
Phil, it's the phone. Pick up the phone. And I reached over and fumbled and found the phone and put it to my ear and said a rather annoyed hello. And I heard that familiar beep that we used to hear on overseas calls. And I heard my dad's voice, who has never been one to beat around the bush or waste words. He said, son, it's dad. I have some bad news. And I remember sitting straight up in bed, pressing the receiver to my ear as hard as I could so I could hear what he was about to tell me. And he said, son, your brother Timothy has just returned from the doctor and they found that he has a very advanced stage of leukemia and um, it's the worst kind of leukemia that an adult can get and they've given him about six weeks to live. And I will never forget thinking to myself, where is our family going to go now? What do we do next? And that day, my brother Tim had a detour sign placed in the road of his life that took him on a totally different course. Now, I will tell you, as most of you know, most of you, well, some of you have met Tim. He's been here when he's been visiting from overseas. He battled through for a little over a year in the hospital and finally came out and survived and is alive today. And I've talked to Tim about that experience extensively. And he has said to me, Phil, God used that in my life to get me back where I needed to be. And today, Tim is serving the Lord. He loves the Lord. He's faithful in church, witnessing to others, and he was never that way before. God used that experience in his life, that detour sign, to set him on a different course that he never would have otherwise chosen. And it changed his life. A detour sign. Sometimes as we're traveling merrily along the road of our life, God will place a detour sign in our path to force us to take a turn that we never would have otherwise taken. And He'll send us in, a, in an unplanned and an unexpected direction. And you know, the interesting thing is this can happen whether we're running from God or whether we're right in the middle of God's will. God can put circumstances in our way whether we're running from Him or whether we're serving Him that will alter our course and force us to take a turn that we never would have otherwise taken. I think of Jonah. You remember the story. He disobeyed God and ran away from God's will. God sent a fierce storm and then sent a great fish to take Jonah back on the right path. And God put that detour in his way to force him back on the right road. Now, Justin Davis is here and he preached to us about, uh, what, a month ago? And he told us the story of how he was running from God and how God put a pretty big detour sign in his path and uh, that detour took uh, almost five years in his life and he spent some time in prison. 
But I talked to Justin about this and Justin said, Phil, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I wouldn't trade it for anything because if not, who knows where I would be today. You see, and you heard Justin sing this morning and he's filled with the joy of the Lord. Why? Because he was headed on a direction, on a path, on a course that was away from God and God loves him so much that he said, Justin, listen, buddy, I've tried to get your attention through some other ways. Now I'm just going to have to plant a big detour sign right in front of you to get you back on the right path. And thank God that he did that. Right, Justin? Amen. Amen. You know, but oftentimes, as I said a minute ago, even when we're right in the middle of God's will, doing exactly what He wants us to do, oftentimes, God will put a detour in our path to cause us to turn and follow Him in a totally different direction that maybe we would never have thought of on our own. Maybe we never had the faith to try on our own. And God forces us into new ways. You remember the story of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was doing what he had been asked to do by his father. He left home, went to check on his brothers who were some distance away. He was, he was being obedient, doing exactly what he was asked to do. What happened to Joseph? His brothers got mad at him. They grabbed him, threw him in a pit. They waited until some slave traders came by and they sold their brother into slavery. You think you've got family problems. <laughs> Joseph should have, according to his plan, been back home in just a few days to report back to old dad how his rascal brothers were doing. Now Joseph finds himself being taken to Egypt, a horrid place for a Jew. And yet there he is and he spends the rest of his life there. And yet God used that detour in Joseph's life, even though he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, God completely changed his course, sent him to Egypt, and as it turns out, you remember the story, that Joseph ended up being the man that God used to save the nation. And at the end of it all, he said to his brothers when he reconnected with them, guys, listen, don't worry about it. You meant it for evil, but it's okay. God meant it for good. And even at one point I caught where he said, you think you did this to me? You really didn't. It was God who did it to me. What an amazing perspective. You know, if, if you're like most people and you're driving down the road in your car and you're trying to get somewhere by a certain time and all of a sudden you see a detour sign in front of you, what's your, what's your first thought? Your first thought is, man, come on. I don't need this right now. I'm in a hurry, I was going to be late anyway, and now I'm really going to be late, right? And you get annoyed by it. And you have to turn and go, you know, who knows where, all the way around, just to get to where you were trying to go. And yet, oftentimes, when you find out what was going on there, you realize that that detour kept you from even worse trouble. Maybe there was a bad accident and you would have been ensnarled in traffic for hours and the detour which actually seemed like a nuisance at first turned out to be a good thing. Often in our lives God will use these that Christians refer to as, as providential circumstances and basically that's a, that's a fancy way of saying that God is intervening in the situation in your life and he's bringing something about which you didn't cause to happen. Other people refer to this as 
open doors and closed doors. We, we actually see this in the life of Paul. Take your Bible and turn. I wasn't going to have you turn here, but I want you to follow along with this. To 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want you to see this. There's two great examples from, from the life of the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 5. We'll begin there. Paul says, he's writing to the church there, and he says, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I'll be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Now here it is. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. So Paul is saying, listen, I I was thinking about coming to see you now, but I'm going to put it off for a while because a great door of effective ministry has has just opened up to me here where I am. And so I'm going to stay here a little bit longer and I'm going to walk through that open door that God has uh, made a way for me to go and have an effective ministry in. Now, turn back to Acts 16. I want to show you an example of a closed door in Paul's life. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, let me pause there for just a second. Wouldn't you think the Holy Spirit would want the word of God to be preached everywhere? And yet here we see very clearly that the Holy Spirit kept them from going into this certain region and preaching the Word of God there in Asia. Now, verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready, we as Luke who's writing this, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Here we see God using a closed door to keep Paul from going into a place that he fully intended to go. He had planned to go there. And yet God closed the door. We even see in one place where it says that Satan prevented us from going and doing a certain thing. There have been many times in my life where I have wanted to do certain things thinking they were the right things. And I've sometimes been frustrated by a detour sign that God has placed in my way. But you know, later looking back on it, I'm always thankful that God redirected my course and didn't let me do what I had planned on doing. Now the interesting thing is, I can't give you a one, two, three formula for knowing exactly which open doors and which closed doors to pay attention to. Proverbs 16.9 is a verse that is a, is a tremendous verse, but I can't explain this verse to you. 
It's one of those that I think is just always going to be a little bit beyond us. It says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I wish I knew how to explain all of that to you and how that works, but I just don't. Proverbs 20 goes on to say in verse 24, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can any man understand his own way? And that's pretty much what wraps this up for me. I don't understand all of this. But as I told you last week and the week before, if you are a believer trying to find God's will for your life, you will know. When God speaks to you and says, go here or don't go there, nobody will have to explain it to you. You'll know. Remember Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I was speaking one time and I must have said something in the, in the message referring to God said something to me or God spoke to me. And when I was done, I noticed this young woman making a beeline up the aisle straight for me, walking like this. And I was looking around for somebody else to defer her to, but there wasn't anybody. And she came right up to me. She was about that tall, and she looked right up at me, and she said, You said during your message that God talked to you. You can't hear God speak to you. I said, Well, yes, ma'am, I can. And she said, Nobody can hear God speak to them I said well I I actually can and I said to her do you hear that music playing she said what I said the music you hear there's lots of different songs playing in fact there are a lot of people talking too do you hear that do you hear all the voices talking now she was thinking I was really out there okay I said no no you see in this room right now there are dozens and dozens of radio signals bouncing around But you and I can't hear them with our ears because we don't have the right kind of tuner. But if I had a radio in here and I lifted the antenna and turned it on and began to scan the dial, we would hear all kinds of music playing. We would hear news being read. We would hear conversations going on that we cannot hear with our human ears. I said, when a person becomes a believer they get the right kind of tuner installed into them on the inside. It's called the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they can hear God speak to them. I said, I can't tell you exactly how God speaks to me or what His voice sounds like because a lot of times it happens through what we're talking about here, providential circumstances. But you know that you know, do you not, believers, that God is speaking to you. I can't explain all of this. Proverbs 16.9 just kind of sums it up. It says, in this life, God gives us a very wide berth, if you will, to roam free and to make choices in. But somewhere along the way, as we're making choices, God will step in and through one circumstance or another, He will redirect our steps. And He says, yes, Phil, that's a great choice. There's no, no problem with you making that choice but I want to nudge you in this direction just a little bit. Or I want to completely change your course over here. And God does that often. The question is, are we paying attention to the signs that God is placing in front of us? 
Are we sensitive to them? Are we alert to them? I was uh, invited to speak on a Sunday morning many years ago at a church here in town. And it was a kind of a last minute invitation. Um, the gentleman who called me said that the pastor had to be out of town and things were getting shuffled around and he had to take the pastor's place and wanted me to take his place uh, in the, uh, the singles group at that church. I agreed to do it. I went and spoke. Thought nothing of it. It was just another Sunday as far as I knew. When I was finished, I was walking down the hallway and I heard someone behind me going, Phil, Phil. And there was this guy kind of walking quickly down the hallway. He came up to me and shook my hand and introduced himself as Roger Carroll. Roger's sitting right back there. And I'd never met Roger in my life before. And we began a conversation and he started talking and one thing led to another. And it turns out that we had a men's Bible study and we ended up meeting in Roger's apartment. And we met for a number of years. And out of that Bible study, this church was born. Now, I have to tell you that when that guy called me to say, can you do this at the last minute, I wasn't really thrilled about it. I don't like surprises like that. And I almost said no. But there I was, moving merrily along the way. And this providential circumstance was dropped right in my path and I took it and I altered my plans for that Sunday morning and I went and I spoke and here we are today now let me ask you is that a coincidence well I don't think so I see it clearly as God saying Phil I know you're going to do this on Sunday morning, but I'm going to put a detour sign and I want you to go over here and do that instead because I'm going to begin a chain of events in your life that you never would have thought of yourself and I'm going to lead you in a totally different direction. During that time, shortly after that time, Sandy and I were seeking God's will for our lives. And we were, we were headed in, in this direction over here because there were open doors and we felt like this is what God wanted us to do. While we were headed in that direction, I received a phone call one day, out of the blue, or so I thought, from a missionary friend of mine that I had lost touch with, hadn't even spoken to, had no communication with in about ten years. He called me out of the blue. Phil, what you doing? What's going on? I said, hey, Paul. Where are you guys now? He said, well, you're in Greenville, right? I said, yeah, we are. He said, well, we're about two hours down the road in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Let's get together for lunch sometime. I like to eat. I figured there'd be no harm in it. I'd love to see Paul again. We got together in a few weeks and had lunch. And Paul said to me, what's God doing in your heart these days? And I began to share with him the burdens that God had placed on my heart. He made no comment. He left. said, it's great to see you. Maybe we'll see you again down the road sometime. About two or three weeks later, I got another phone call. Paul said, Phil, I've got something I need to ask you. Can we meet for dinner? And he and Joan and Sandy and I met down in Anderson for dinner. 
And um, during that dinner is when he dropped the bombshell on me that he had been praying over the last couple of weeks since our conversation and wanted to ask us if we would be willing to come down to Lawrenceville, Georgia to help start a church. Because he said all of the burdens that I had shared with him of what God was doing in my life lined up so perfectly with what they wanted to do down there. And they had been praying about who to ask. Most of you know the story. We prayed about it. We knew God was leading us there. And we began to go down there on weekends, driving there and back each weekend. We put our house on the market. It was on the market for about two years and never sold. And so we began to think, well, what in the world is God up to? And some of the men from the Bible study that I was in here in Greenville at Rogers Place began to say, Phil, would you pray about starting a church here in Greenville? Maybe God just wanted you to go to Lawrenceville to take you through that experience of planting a church and He really wants you to do it here in Greenville. I thought that was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard of in my life. And I was very bold in telling them that that's what I thought and that it would never happen. But, you know, when Paul Burkett gets something on his mind and he's determined about it, you can't change his mind off it because he was on me all the time about it. He said, Phil, this is a no-brainer. We need to do this, you know. And yet all of that occurred and, and none of that made sense to me then. None of it did. And yet when I look back on it now, I see so clearly that it was a, it was a providential detour that God put in our way and He led us all the way through Lawrenceville, Georgia to bring us right back to Greenville. Because I can promise you that had we not had that experience down there, this would never have happened. Not in a million years. And so we see once again the wisdom of God nudging us in this direction and that direction to get us exactly where He wants us to be. Let me ask you today, has God placed any detour signs in your life? Are there anything, any things uh, in your path, in your life right now? And you're not sure why they're there or what's going on. Are you paying attention to them? Do you know that it could be God speaking to you? There may be one of two reasons why God is putting certain detour signs in your path. Maybe you're headed on the wrong road. Maybe you're going in a direction that you don't need to be going and God is trying in His graciousness and His love to steer you back in the right direction. Maybe you're exactly where you need to be. You're on the right road. But God is putting some detour signs in your life to help point you in a new direction that you would never choose for yourself. Maybe you're already on a detour and you go, you know what, I don't like this detour that I'm on and I want it to end really soon. Remember the Apostle Paul? His thorn in the flesh that God gave to him? And he prayed three times that God would take that away. God, listen, this is not best for me. I, you know... I'm telling you, this, this thing in my life is not the best thing for me. I need you to take this away. Three times, God said no. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It's more than enough for you. Romans 8.28, sadly, is a verse that has been so 
used that it doesn't mean much to us anymore. But it's still true nonetheless. It reminds us that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You know, God is able to take even the worst of circumstances in our lives and turn them around to bring about good things. You know, at the end of Acts chapter 7, we see the story of a man named Stephen, who I'm really looking forward to meeting. Stephen, I think, is probably one of the most underrated characters in the New Testament. What a great man I believe he was. We see the story of Stephen being stoned to death for his faith. And we have to wonder, why would God allow something like that to happen? It's not fair. A young man stoned to death for being a Christian, what good could possibly come from that? And yet we read a little bit later in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19, Luke says, Now those who had been scattered because of the persecution of Stephen, he's talking about Christians who had been scattered, because of the persecution of Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Because of Stephen's death, many believers packed up and fled that area. And it was God's providential detour sign in their lives to scatter them so that they could take the Word of God and spread it to other lands. How do we view the detours that God places in our life? How do we view the circumstances that God puts us into? You know, the verse that we read when we began today shows an amazing perspective on the circumstances that Paul was in. I want to read to you the couple verses after that in Philippians chapter 1. I start in verse 12 again. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul had not planned on being in prison. It's not something he had scheduled in his daytimer months ahead. And yet there he was trying to be faithful to God in the ministry, trying to serve the Lord and do what was right. And God came along and said, Paul, Paul, listen. I need for you to be in prison. I need for you to spend some time in chains. And it was during that time in his first imprisonment there in Rome that Paul wrote the letters that we now have in our New Testament of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. God used that detour in his life to write some 
truly beautiful books for our New Testament. And even in that same letter, a little bit later in chapter 4, Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and all circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, wherever I am, naked, clothed, whatever the case, I have learned to be content. Are you and I learning to view the circumstances in our lives as being from God? Are we learning to view these detour signs in our lives as God directing us? Not as nuisances, not as annoyances. Am I saying that all the detours are easy? No, they're not at all. They're not at all. But when you and I can begin to see those things through God's eyes, that they're not just some random chance occurrences, but that all of our days are ordained by God and that He's planning all of these circumstantial things out for His good, are we paying attention to them or are we just missing them right by? You know, it's one thing for God to send us on a detour and us to learn what we need to learn on that detour. It's another thing to go through the entire detour and miss the lesson completely. Maybe I shouldn't say this with the teens in here, but you know there were some there were some entire courses that I took in high school. I don't remember anything from them. I'm not talking about certain lessons. I'm talking about an entire year's worth. I just I know that's horrible. I know none of y'all have ever experienced that, right? But just some things that I wasn't interested in and I wasn't plugged into, and I tried, but there was just there was just no interest at all. And I couldn't tell you one thing that I learned from that course. That's horrible. And what a shame it is for us to go through God's classrooms of learning that He puts us through in life. And we miss the whole thing. We miss it completely. Are our eyes and our ears, are our senses alert and aware? God, wait a second. Are you doing something in my life right now? Do I need to be sensitive to your leading? I may not be happy about this detour, but I want your will to shine through in this situation. A couple of months ago, many of you remember that my, uh, both my parents had been through a lot of very severe health problems this summer. Uh, my dad had some surgery and we ended up having to make, I think, four return trips with him to the emergency room in the weeks that followed after that surgery. <clears throat> had a lot of complications from it. And it was either on the third or the fourth time. I don't remember. But my dad was so weary from... I mean, it's, it's a Herculean effort for him just to get out of a chair into a car because of his condition. And he was so weary from having to now get out of bed, into the wheelchair, into the car, out from the car, into the emergency room, up on the bed, and then the whole process back again. I mean, he was at the end of his rope. And getting him ready to go to the emergency room, he just said, let's stop and let's pray that God will bring something good out of this stopped and prayed got to the emergency room 
He's lying there on the bed. Now, this is a detour in his life that he was not looking forward to, he had not planned on, and frankly, it was about to kill him. There he was, lying on the table in the emergency room, and the doctor came in. They talked about the problem, and before you knew it, of course, my dad said to him, Doc, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. He said, are you a saved man? Do you know the Lord? And the doctor said, Sir, I'm so mixed up, I don't know what I am. And he left the room. Came back in a couple of hours later. And the doctor said, Can I talk to you some more about that? And they began to talk and talk and talk. And my dad finally said, Doc, would you like me to pray with you right now to receive Jesus? The doctor said, Yes, sir, I would. And there, this emergency room doctor stood holding my dad's hand. My dad's laying flat on his back. And the doctor's holding his hand. And my dad is praying with him. And tears were running down the doctor's face, splashing on my dad's shirt. And they prayed together for the doctor to receive Christ. And many hours later, on the way home, my dad said, Well, I guess we know why God wanted me to go back to the emergency room. You see, folks, listen. Many things come in and out of our lives. And you and I have plans, don't we? We have plans of things we have to get done, things we, things we want to do, and so many things that come into our lives can seem like nuisances, annoyances, and, and a total waste of time. Maybe health problems. Maybe uh, a loss of a job. And we view these things as as being not part of the plan. I want to encourage you today, when these things come into your lives, for you to try to look at them from a different perspective and say, God, is this you leading me in a different direction? If so, I want to be open to your leading. I want you to use this detour to bring about whatever you need to bring about in my life. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your leading in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we move through this series to uh, begin to perhaps see some things from a different vantage point than we have before. I pray that we would be open to whatever you bring into our life. Lord, your word in James 1 tells us not to try to cut short the things that come our way, whether they're difficult, painful, whatever they are, Lord, but to let them finish their work. And I pray, God, if there's anyone here today who feels like their life has been detoured and they just can't seem to make any direction of it at all and any sense of it at all, I pray, Father, that You would help them begin to see the situation and the circumstance through your eyes. And I pray you'd use them in the middle of that circumstance to do and to bring about great things for you. In Jesus' name, amen.